0: in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Exodus, chapter 12. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney.
1: Some people say that Jesus was a lamb. I mean, Jesus lived a good life. Jesus lived a moral life. Jesus was a good example. And they'll tell you that he was one, one of the good men in history. He was a lamb. And then some people will even see Jesus as the lamb. And they would say he was more than just excellent. He was the embodiment of truth. He was the you know, embodiment of divine power. He was the lamb. Listen, we talked about this here before, Calvary. God, Jesus, does not want priority in your life. Did you know that? He does not want priority in your life. He wants preeminence. A lot of folks give him priority. Oh, he was a righteous dude. He was a good guy. He was a good example. We should all follow him. That's giving him priority. Or even he was the embodiment of divine power. Or he was the embodiment of truth. That's giving him priority. He does not want priority. You can't put Jesus in the same category as any other man. He doesn't want priority. He wants preeminence. There's a difference there. Somebody say amen. There's a difference. Priority just gives him place. He wants a place separate from any other place. That's preeminence. So then the question would be, who is Jesus to you? Is he a lamb? The lamb? Or your lamb? Notice verse five says what? It says, your lamb shall be without blemish. You see that? Look at verse 6. Y'all still with me? Say amen. Now you shall keep it, notice the lamb, until the 14th day of the same month. Then the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it, the lamb, at twilight. And they shall take some of the blood and put it on two doorposts and on the lintel of the house where they eat. And then they shall. Now you want to take your pen. You want to take your highlighter and underline some of these that we're going to point out here. Then they shall eat the flesh. Note that on that night and they shall do what with it roasted in fire with unleavened bread and with bitter herbs they shall eat. Do not eat it raw nor boiled at all with water, but roasted in fire, its head with its legs and its entrails. And you shall let none of it remain until morning. What remains of it until morning, you shall burn with fire and thus you shall eat it in verse 11 with notice this here, a belt on your waist, your sandals on your feet, your staff in your hands. So you shall eat in haste. It is the Lord's Passover for I will pass through the land of Egypt on that night and will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both men and beast. And against all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgment. Why, saints, read it with me. I am the Lord. That's why. Now the Lord shall be, now the blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when, note this, guys, when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And the plague shall not be on you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. Stop right there. Give me your attention. God tells them to take the lamb and to kill it at the door. If you fast forward to verse 22, you'll see it tells them that they were to take a bunch of hyssop and to dip it in blood. And then they were to take the blood. Remember, I told you hyssop is like a little bush. So they take this bush and use it as a paintbrush, if you will. And they take the bush and they are to dip it in the blood of the lamb and they were to put it on the doorpost and on the lintel. And you can see that gives you a beautiful form of the what? The cross on both sides. So what you would see from an aerial view would be two crosses on each doorpost and lintel. Take the hyssop and, and do that with it. And when the angel of death came through and saw the blood, it would protect that home from the tenth plague of death to the firstborn. This hyssop is a very, very interesting study. I'll give it to you very quickly. Hyssop is very interesting. In the Bible, hyssop is often used to apply blood for cleansing of sin. Leviticus chapter 14, if you're taking notes, you can read some of these in your own time. But Leviticus chapter 14, hyssop was used to cleanse a leper. In Numbers chapter 19, verse 6, it was used to make the ashes of a red heifer. Numbers 19, verse 18, hyssop was used to apply purification water. Jesus, don't you remember the story? Jesus was offered sour wine on, you know, on a, on a hyssop bush, Actually, it was on like a a little stick, and they they put a bush on it and they offered Jesus sour wine on that. Remember David? David prayed in Psalm 51, verse 7. David said, Purge me with hyssop. Don't you remember that? Hyssop has its connection with purification and sacrifice. And so God tells them, Take hyssop and put the blood on the doorpost and the lintel. Now, listen. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 28, tells us, by faith, they celebrated the Passover. By faith, they celebrated the Passover. So we learn that they applied the blood by faith. Saints, listen close. It had nothing to do with those who were living inside. It had nothing to do with whether or not they understood the importance of it. It had nothing to do with whether they understood the theological ramifications of the blood of the lamb. They did it by faith. Listen, when I became a Christian, when I first became a Christian, I remember just coming by faith. I knew I was a sinner. I knew I had to come to Christ. I knew that I needed salvation. I knew that I needed to be cleansed. I did not understand many, many, many things about Christianity, about faith, about this walk with God. I didn't understand any of these things. I didn't understand mercy. I didn't understand grace. I didn't understand atonement. I didn't understand propitiation. I couldn't even pronounce it. Let's understand it. Expiation. I didn't understand any of these things. Redemption, eschatology, the five points of Calvin, eternal security, the sovereignty of God, the responsibility of man. I didn't understand any of these things when I became a Christian. I just knew that by faith I needed to become a Christian. Amen. Did you say no? No, of course you didn't. None of us did. But we did it by faith. The same thing with the people of Israel. When they put the blood on the doorposts and the lentils, they didn't really understand the importance of the blood. They didn't understand the, the fact that the blood, this whole theology and this whole uh, Christology of, of the blood of Jesus Christ and how throughout the ages the blood is going to be used as a symbol of forgiveness and protection and covering They didn't understand all of that and they didn't need to. And Hebrews tells us that they didn't understand it, but they did it by faith. And the same is true for us today. Saints, you can't come to God if you don't come by what? Faith. Same is true. You don't have to understand it. There's a lot of people. Well, you know, I got a lot of questions for God. I don't understand this and I don't understand that. And I got a lot of questions for God. And when I get all my questions answered, then I'm gonna become a Christian. I've had people tell me that. And I honestly tell them, then you will never become a Christian. Because you're not going to understand everything. And God's under no obligation to answer you. Say amen, somebody. You? I'm amazed at how folks try to blow up on God. Yeah. yeah. Isn't that amazing? It's like, you know, it'd be like an ant trying to blow up on me. You know what is the an ant going to do? I just go. Pfft. That's deep theology for y'all. Y'all get that on the way home. OK. There's some there's some theology in that. Pfft. You know, I just. Pfft. You see, by faith, you come by faith. The Bible says they applied the blood on the doorpost and the lintel. Now look in your Bibles again in verse eight through ten. Lord, help me. Lord, help me. See, y'all ain't praying for me. Y'all not praying. I can tell. Now look at verse 8 through 10. I want to show you something because I want to show you the symbolism. I'm going to have to move a little bit quick here, but I want to show you the symbolism and I want you to underline each of them. Notice in verse 8. Notice in verse 8. You there, saints? Look at verse 8. Then they shall note this, underline it, eat the flesh on that night. Listen, that speaks of intimacy of relationship. It speaks of intimacy of relationship. Don't you remember in John chapter six, Jesus said, You must eat my flesh and drink my blood. Now, was Jesus into cannibalism? No. He was making a point that you need to have an intimate relationship with him. He wasn't saying that you need to eat his flesh and drink his blood. That's gross. And Jesus isn't gross. Somebody say amen. amen. What he was saying was, we need to have fellowship and intimacy and become one with him. And that's what we do in communion, by the way. That's why we really believe in it and take a whole Wednesday evening to celebrate it. Because it's a time when we get together and we can become one with Christ around the communion elements. Notice, eat my flesh. Then he goes on to say, look at it again in your Bibles. It was to be prepared, note this, by fire, not boiled. The fire speaks of judgment that Jesus took on himself, bearing the full brunt of the wrath of God. And then you want to notice in verse eight again, the bitter herbs. The bitter herbs was to remind them of their bitter experience in Egypt And the bitterness of Christ, what it means to us is the bitterness of Christ as he was being made sin for us. And then you want to notice again in verse 8, the unleavened bread, that's a picture of Christ. You know, the Bible says, and perhaps you know this, that leaven is a type of sin which permeates and spiritually is destructive. And so they were to eat, the Bible says, the unleavened bread, have you seen unleavened bread, the matzah crackers? You've seen them. If you look at them, you notice on the on the matzah crackers that that you can go to Lowe's or any place and get them actually. And on the matzah crackers, they got all these little, all the little holes in it, and it looks kind of um, you know, kind of burnt and kind of you know striped, if you will, or burnt. And, and there's a reason for that because all of, all of that speaks of uh, Christ. It speaks of the fact that Jesus was pierced for us. And Jesus was stripped and beaten for us. And that whip came down upon his back and the nails in his hands and the thorns in in, in his side or on his head and the spear in his side. That matzo cracker has a lot of symbolism and a lot of meaning there. And then notice they were also told to eat it all. Did you see that in your text? To eat it all, none of it shall remain. Don't leave any leftovers, and anything that remained was to be burned in the fire, which speaks of the fact that Jesus paid for our sins completely and fully. Don't you remember when Jesus was on the cross, he said three words when he, before he died. He said what? It is finished. To die it is finished. In other words, Jesus was saying this. There's nothing left over for us to do but receive by faith what he has done. This lamb is supposed to be consumed completely. Look at verse 11 in your Bibles. Now, they usually notice when they ate, they usually would relax and recline when they ate. But notice God says, when you eat this meal, I want you to be fully dressed, ready to go, eating on the run. Okay, don't kill me. This is the first mention in the Bible of fast food. (laughs) I worked on that all day. And notice it. Listen, listen, listen. The reason they had to eat it on the run was because when the word came, get this, that it's time to go, they needed to be ready to leave. And so God says, on that night, I will pass through Egypt. I will strike the firstborn in the land of Egypt, man and beast. Understand something here. The firstborn was the privileged position in the family. The firstborn represented strength and hope for the entire family. And so for God to strike the firstborn was to strike at their hope and at their strength. Notice in verse 14, 14 through 20. We're going to take a bigger chunk of text here. Look at verse 14. So this day they shall be to you a memorial. This day shall be to you a memorial. And you shall keep it as a feast to the Lord throughout all your generations. You shall keep it as a feast by an everlasting ordinance. Seven days you shall eat unleavened bread. On the first day, you shall remove the leaven from your houses. For whoever eats leavened bread from the first day until the seventh day, that person shall be cut off from Israel. On the first day, there shall shall be a holy convocation or a celebration to the Lord. And on the seventh day, there shall be a holy convocation for you. No manner of work shall be done on them, but that which everyone must eat, that only may be prepared by you." So you shall observe the feast of unleavened bread, underline that, for on the same day I will have brought your armies out of the land of Egypt. Therefore, you shall observe this day throughout your generations as an everlasting ordinance. And in the first month. On the fourteenth day of the month at evening, you shall eat unleavened bread until the twenty-first day of the month at evening. For seven days, no leaven shall be found in your houses. Since whoever eats what is leavened, that same person shall be cut off from the congregation of Israel, whether he is a stranger or a native of the land. You shall eat nothing leavened in all your dwellings. You shall eat unleavened bread. Stop right there. Notice the Passover, according to verse 14, is an annual perpetual event and they were never to forget the deliverance from Egypt. And so the Passover begins, as I told you already, on the 10th day of the month when the lamb was selected. And the Passover, get this, was held on the 14th day. The very next day, beginning the very next day, They spent seven days eating unleavened bread, celebrating the Feast of Unleavened Bread. So the Passover meal and the week-long Feast of Unleavened Bread are known as Passover. Today, if you talk to Jewish people, they will tell you they understand the Passover to actually mean an eight-day celebration. The whole period is known as Passover. Notice the Bible says again in verse 15, the soul that eats leavened bread shall be cut off from Israel, which doesn't mean that they'll be put to death. It literally means that they will be excommunicated. Now, remember I told you leaven is a picture of sin and God will during the Passover, God says, I don't want you to eat leavened bread. I want you to eat unleavened bread. Why? Because leaven represents sin, and God doesn't want us to be involved in sin during this period, during our lives. God doesn't want his people to be involved in sin. And if we are involved in sin, God wants us to confess our sin. Amen, saints? Confess your sin, the Bible says. So God says, God knows that sin and leaven will consume your life. And God knows sin will separate you from him. You can't even have a little bit of sin in your life because it will consume your life. Now, in verses 21 through 28, I'm going to ask you to read that in your own time. But essentially, when you read it, you'll see that they did exactly what God said. And again, you can read it in your own time. But let's pick up in verse 29. Look at verse 29. You're there, say amen. And it came to pass at midnight that the Lord struck all the firstborn in the land of Egypt from the firstborn of Pharaoh who sat on his throne to the firstborn of the captain who was in the dungeon and all the firstborn of livestock. So Pharaoh rose in the night. Look at verse 30. He and all of his servants and all the Egyptians, and there was a great cry in Egypt, for there was not a house where there was not one dead very interesting. I find that this is the greatest and most severe of all the judgments of all the 10 plagues. And yet, did you know it's only given two verses? And this is the most severe of all the plagues. At midnight, the Bible says, Pharaoh awakened to the sound of cries and shrieks of grieving families because all the hope that was centered on the firstborn is now gone. And God struck all the firstborn in Egypt from the house of Pharaoh to the animals. Not one household did not have something, someone dead in it. Did you get that? Now, I said something or someone, because listen closely, either a lamb died in every house or the firstborn died in every house. But something, according to verse 30, was dead in every house. You understand? Say amen. In every house. Very interesting. Look at verse 31. Thank you, Lord. I'm getting there. Look at verse 31. Then he called for Moses, he who Pharaoh called for Moses and Aaron by night and said, rise, go out from among my people, both you and the children of Israel, and go and serve the Lord as you have said. Also take your flocks and your herds as you have said and be gone and bless me also. This guy cracks me up. (laughs) You know, after all this, The land is laying in ruins. He finally gets it. He says, Look, because his son is dead. It's very interesting how, when something bad happens to you personally, now all of a sudden you got to change your heart. So he goes, Oh, well, go, just go, you guys. Now, I think he said this in humility. Honestly, I think he was broken. I think he was sad. His son just died. It's very possible in the Hebrew language, it indicates that 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 at the moment that people died, the firstborn died, there was great cries. It was like a momentary thing. It all happened at once. And he says, well, you guys go. That's it. I'm done with fighting with God. And he says, while you're going, hey, you guys make sure you send me a blessing. Bless me. Pharaoh's something else. He's too much like us. Verse thirty-three, and the Egyptians urged the people that they might send them out of the land in haste, for they said, "We shall all be dead." So the people took their dough. That's not money, y'all. Y'all know that, right? (laughs) They took their. Although I'm sure they took their dough, but they took their dough. You understand? Before it was leavened, having their kneading bowls bound up in their clothes. I, I get the impression this is like the first mention of backpacks. Sorry, I'm sorry, that long day. And, uh, but they had them in their clothes, on their shoulders, and the children of Israel had done according to the word of Moses, and they had asked from the Egyptians articles of silver, gold, and clothing, and the Lord had given the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians so that they granted them what they requested. Thus they plundered the Egyptians. And then the children of Israel, in verse 37 underlined this, journeyed from Ramses to Sukkoth, about 600,000 men on foot besides children. And a mixed multitude went up with them. I'll tell you who they are in a minute. Also, flocks and herds, a great deal of livestock And they baked unleavened cakes of the dough which they had brought out of Egypt, for it was not leavened because they were driven out of Egypt and could not wait for the dough to rise, nor had they prepared provisions for themselves. Now the sojourn of the children of Israel who lived in Egypt were four hundred and thirty years, and it came to pass that the end of the four hundred and thirty years, on that very same day, it came to pass that all the armies of the Lord went out from the land of Egypt. It was a night of solemn observance to the Lord for bringing them out of the land of Egypt.
0: You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina.